And hello, hello, I'm Len Tillum. I'm a lawyer coming to you through the Internet. We're podcasting it now, and we've got calls for you. No commercials, just me and callers and fooling around. Soon you'll be able to call in. The phone lines are coming. I promise they're coming. That's what they tell me. They are coming. So is Christmas, damn it. But who knows what's going on? Anyway. We're going to do a show. We've got calls for you. Watch old calls, new calls, ones I've recorded recently. We've taken the best of the best, the creme de la creme, so to speak. Stick around and listen to this. You'll like it. Here we go. Jess in San Bruno. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. Jess, how come you're calling a lawyer? Uh, I'm calling because uh, I purchased a puppy from a breeder, um, brought the puppy home, and had the puppy for uh, eight weeks, and... During those eight weeks, the puppy uh, started growling first around her food and then around her toys, and then she started nipping at my kids when they came around her toys. And uh, to make a long story short, we had uh, three different dog trainers come evaluate the puppy for us, and they said that uh, she shouldn't be in a home with children. No, if a dog's already and these Newfoundlands, they're cute puppies. They grow up to be huge, don't they? Huge, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, this dog will eat one of your kids. It's already giving you a lesson. It's telling you, don't keep me around kids, you know? Exactly. Um, so we contacted the breeder every time that the dog started growling. Mm-hmm. We contacted them. The breeder told us, oh, it's nothing. She'll grow out of it. Why did you buy a dog from a breeder? They're usually puppy mills. Where is it, some breeder out of, out of state? No, they're in California. They're out uh, near Sacramento. Um, you know, they had a nice website, and they talked the talk, but, uh, you know, come to find out that they don't know much about... Yeah, you should never buy a dog from a breeder. They're usually... I have found breeders to be very unethical. I mean, weird yep. people who house dogs in little kennels. I, I mean, just yeah. berserk. You want a dog, what do you... And you're going to get this dog neutered anyway, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. you get a dog from the pound. You say from Pet's Lifeline. Or, I agree. Uh, yeah, you know right. how much did this? How much did this stupid dog cost you? Eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I mean you gotta, you gotta, or else you want you gotta like rescue a a, a Labrador. Yep. There are so many places. Exactly. There are so many dogs that they're euthanizing. Oh. Stay away from breeders. We got too many dogs. Look, does the contract say something about a money back guarantee on the web or anything like that? No, the contract says uh, if it has certain health problems, they'll take it back and they'll give you a replacement puppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they're not going to give you the money back. They don't want to give you eighteen hundred bucks, right? Yeah, they're not going to give you the uh, money back. You know, they did. There is a blurb at the bottom of the contract that says if a puppy is brought back and and then resold, that they'll give the money they got for that puppy. Who's going to buy that puppy? Who's going to buy a puppy? Well, they, Unless they're so unethical, they won't disclose this puppy's got problems around kids. Well, they've uh, already sold it. They told us that they already sold the puppy to another family with children. Your puppy? Um, yeah, the same puppy. And they're... they're oh, well, you gave them back the puppy, right? I gave them back the puppy. They said, we're not going to give you any money back. They said, do you want a replacement puppy? I said, no, because we didn't like these people by the time it came to that point. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. They, so they've they, sold they the puppy, right? And then they sold it to another family with children. For how much? Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming $1,800, which is what they sell. Sue them in small claims court. They're in Sacramento, right? Yeah. And you're in San Bruno, right? Sue them in your county. You got it? Sue them in your county. You got it? Sue them in small claims court and tell them they sold it and they won't give me my money back. They're not allowed to double dip. 
By the way, thank you, David Brown. Listen to this. You want a puppy? It's called, go online, Gentle Giants Rescue. Gentle Giants Rescue. It's a dog rescue organization in California for large breed dogs like Newfoundlands. You got it? We did. It, after this happened, we went and we rescued a lab mix puppy for a hundred bucks, and it's the best dog we've ever had. Amen. Uh, I got lab mix puppy. Yes, there you go. Thank you for teaching everybody. Sue them in small claims court, Jess. That's what you should do. Brett in San Jose, Len Tillum, News Talk nine ten. Brett, what are you calling a lawyer for? Well, about two years ago, I had a minor surgery to remove a cyst on my right arm. Uh huh. And uh, it took like six, seven months before my right arm actually started feeling fine, but uh, then it grew it, back. Yeah, I, I know those, those those orthopedic surgeons. They, they remove something. They never tell you how much it's going to hurt. Not the doctor's fault. It just hurts. You know, I had arthroscopic yeah. surgery on my knee. Guy never told me how much it was going to hurt for two weeks afterwards. Yeah, it hurts a lot. Yes. And, and how, how old are you, Brett? Uh, 45. Yeah. You know, maybe at 18 or 19, you heal faster. 45, it takes, <laughs> a, it takes longer. Yes, it does. So what's going on? Well, about a year after the surgery, it grew back, and I kind of procrastinated with whether I should go back to that doctor or not. Long story short, I went to the new doctor, and he removed it and said that if the previous doctor did not get all of it when he removed it, it was it would grow back. So you're calling to see if you have a case against the first surgeon because he didn't get all of it, right? Well, that and a little side note, the first surgeon charged my insurance $8,000. The second insurance guy, uh, doctor, $100. $100? Three hundred. Your insurance company was dumb enough to pay eight grand a year ago to remove a cyst. Yes, he must have BSed on those reports because eight grand. It was a local anesthesia, right? Exactly. I I don't know. I I mean, I would like to see that doctor's bill, but eight grand is outrageous. Anyway. Oh, yeah, uh, you can call up your insurance company and tell them there was fraud there or what's going on. They said they, they didn't care. They said, well, that's just how we do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, that, that's maybe one reason why our bills are so high and medical costs yeah. are going up like crazy, you know. I, I, look, I don't even want to go there if, if the insurance company's not upset. Let's go back to the cyst on, on your arm, right? Yeah. Okay, you got a couple of issues here before you can sue a doctor. The first is what's called the statute of limitations. When, when medical malpractice is, formed, is, is done, and I'm not saying it was here, but if it's done, right. you've got to file a case in court within a certain amount of time or you can't do it. So it's one year from the date of the discovery of the malpractice. So when did okay. surgeon number two tell you the first surgeon uh, didn't get it all? Uh, about a month or so ago. Okay. So you have to file within one year from the date surgeon number two told you surgeon number one didn't get it all. And also, everybody else, you have to file within three years of the malpractice. So if you discover the malpractice five years later, it's too late anyway. You follow me? It's, it's one year from the discovery, but you got a maximum of three years to discover it. But anyway, that's not the most important thing because uh, you're within the statute of limitations. Okay. In order to prove malpractice, you need an expert opinion. You know, these are doctors. And, and you can't just go into court and say, well, he's screwed up because doctors are not God. Sometimes they'd like us to believe they are, but they do their best and, and they do a good job. I think I'm alive because of surgery and medicine. They've done lots for me. But 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, but sometimes they screw up. They're human beings. You know, people make mistakes. In order to prove malpractice, it's not just that you didn't get the result you wanted. That don't count. You have to prove that more than more. It, it's more than that the surgeon made a mistake. You have to prove he didn't act in a competent manner, you know, the way other doctors would have. And, and right. here's the point. Without significant damages, you know, you got your damages are a little bit of pain for a few months and three hundred dollar bills or whatever, eight hundred, whatever it is. Yeah, you need another doctor, a surgeon, to testify that the doctor screwed up. They'd have to review the records. There are orthopedic surgeons who do it. They charge six, seven hundred dollars an hour. If you went to surgeon number two and said, "Will you testify in court against surgeon number one?" What do you think he would tell you? Um, honestly, I don't know, but. He would tell you he'd rather have his testicles removed without anesthesia before he's going to testify against another doctor. You know, what, what does he want to do? Get involved with your stupid case? He can cut people open and charge a lot of money for that. So yeah. you need expert witnesses. They cost money. Jim Gagan, my office works with him all the time. I have another lawyer in my office, Audrey Gerard, who does personal injury. Jim and Audrey are a really good team. They get great results. He says, I've had him on the show, and he we've talked about medical malpractice. He says no to about 10 cases for every one he accepts. Because without a lot of damages, it's very expensive to do. So I'm sorry this happened to you. These things, cysts do grow back, by the way. You know, they could get everything, and they still grow back. Um, so it's not a case, you know, really. The question. Yes. Do you think I could I could sue in small claims court? No, you missed it. You, you're not. You, you got it. You, you have to prove. This is the key thing with malpractice. Uh -huh. You have to prove that the doctor screwed up. So okay. let let's say you're in small claims court. I'm the small claims court judge, and you're there. Okay, Mr. Brett, you you're suing this doctor for malpractice. You sue him in small claims court. What's the? How do you know he committed malpractice? And what are you going to say to me, the judge? Let's pretend. Come on. Uh, that my the doctor that did it recently said that it, that it, the cyst wasn't removed entirely. That's why it grew back. It's hearsay. That you're not allowed to do that. You'd have to have the doctor to testify. You can't have you, because you could say um, anything that the doctor said. Who knows? Maybe the doctor told you the other. Do how do we know the doctor didn't tell you? that the first doctor did a great job and you're BSing about what the doctor said. You need the doctor in there and he's yeah. not... So you got no case, you understand? Okay. So, so forget we, about small a, claims. A letter wouldn't do. A letter to the doctor saying, give me money? No, no, no. A letter to the judge saying that... Uh, no. No, 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 no. And, 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 and I'm telling you right now, if you go to surgeon number two and you're dumb enough to ask him <laughs> to write a letter, he'll never see you again as a patient because they'll label okay. you as a litigator. You know, you're a sue, you're a sue happy, crazy guy. All Forget right. it. Thank God you're okay. Thank God they didn't take off the wrong finger. You know what? Leave it alone. Get on with your life. End of story. And doctors, they really do a good job. You know, they're a little pompous. You know, and and they make you crazy. They don't have a lot of people skills, but they're uh, they're good doctors, and thank God for them. Hello, Lean in Orinda. Len Tillum, how come you're calling a lawyer, Lean? Yeah, I'm calling on behalf of my uncle. What happened? So he, yeah, a contractor put a mechanic liens on his property. Early this year, uh, a construction worker introduced my uncle to this contractor, you know, because my um, uncle needs to have uh, some remo minor remodeling in his uh, rental property. 
And this contractor recommended that my uncle hire two of his workers to do the work. And he even suggested that my uncle pay uh, one worker $90 per day, the other $160 per day. And also... Wait a minute, $90 a day and $60 a day? No, $90 per day. Per hour or per day? Per day. $90 a day and the other one got $60 a day? No, one... Okay, that's still for a carpenter. What kind of work did these guys do for ninety dollars a day or one hundred and sixty dollars a day? Yeah, I hope I I remember that correctly. Uh, you know, like painting the wall or putting, you know, uh, carpet on the floor. Okay, so wait, wait, wait a second. Okay, I, I understand that. So, did your uncle pay these men? Yeah. They pay these, he paid these workers directly, and also understand these workers came to do the work only when they had free time, when they were not, not working for the contractor. Okay, so what's, what did the contractor do? I understand. Now tell me what the contractor did with the mechanics lien. Tell me that. Now, see, at the end of, uh, you know, after the other two workers finished the work, and then the contractor, you know, came to ask my uncle, you know, to pay him, and my uncle said, what? Why do I need to pay him? But I have to go back a little bit. You know, during the few months that the two workers were doing the work, the contractor occasionally, you know, stopped by the work site. And my uncle thought he was checking out to see if, you know, my uncle was happy with his reform. Lean, I, I understand. How much money? I, I understand. it. And after he paid your, your uncle paid the workers, the contractor turned around and said, well, to your uncle, you owe me money. How much money did the contractor want from your uncle? You know, he put the lien on uh, $31,600. $31,600 on your uncle's property, okay? Right. Okay. Um, let me explain about liens. Um, f- uh, uh, when you hire a contractor to do work, there's a contract and things are in writing. And if the contractor did the work, really did the work, and you don't pay him, they can put a mechanic's lien on your home to get paid. Um, they can fi- they can just do it, and a licensed contractor can do it, um, and they can force you. They can foreclose the home, force you to sell it at auction, but they have to do it correctly. That means the contractor was supposed to give your uncle a preliminary notice within twenty days of starting the work. There has to be a notice of mechanics lien served on your uncle with a claim stating everything is claimed that is claimed to be owed. And when was the work done? The work was supposed to be done on May 23rd. When was the work finished? Oh, when it was started, I don't know. But because the mechanics lien has to be filed within 90 days after the completion of the work. Or when the... Yeah. Cus- okay. And the contractor, look, has to sue within 90 days of the day of the lien that it was recorded. So, first of all, have you got a pencil lien? Yeah. Okay. You should file a complaint with the State Contractors Licensing Board. By, by the way, David, in order to have a mechanics lien, do you need a contract in writing initially? Check that out. Well, you do. Dave, David says yes. We're going to check that. Did your uncle ever get a written contract from this uh, contractor? No. Nothing. Not, okay. Not even a verbal contract. Nothing. He never even said, I'm going to charge you, right? There was no contract. This guy is a crook. So, okay. I need to give you one more information. Please. During this time, sometimes my uncle, you know, gave him gifts, took him to a restaurant to eat, and even gave him a little bit money just to be so grateful that, you know, 
he made a referral and stopped by to the site to see. And sometimes he offered to pick up, you know, materials for my uncle. My uncle didn't need him to do that. Okay, listen to me. We just looked this up. Here's another thing you have to know, Lean. A written contract, before you can do a mechanics lien, David just looked this up. Thank you, David. A written contract is required if there's to be more than $500 of labor and materials. So there was 10000 labor that he paid those workers and a 31000 mechanics lien. This guy is a crook. Now, you got a pencil. I want you to write something down, okay? Yes. File a complaint with the State Contractors Licensing Board. State Contractors Licensing Board. Let me tell you where it is. It's at CSLB, those initials, you know, contractors, CSLB. It's like for cat, save, license, book, CSLB.ca.gov. Okay? David, is it CS or SC? Did you write it wrong there? All right. It's CSLB, Contractors State Licensing Board, CSLB.ca.gov. File a complaint. And then... If the contractor doesn't remove the lien, your uncle may have to you know, get a lawyer, sue the contractor. And by the way, the law says if this guy did this crooked, your uncle can get his lawyer bills paid for by that contractor. You got it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. If we need a lawyer, when, can we contact you? I don't do that kind of work. I do trusts and estates. Who gets your stuff when you die? Um I'll help you find a lawyer. If you call me, but first your uncle should call. The, you You know what you do, Lean? You help your uncle. Go to the State Contractors Licensing Board. Learn these rules I told you, or else you can listen to my show. Go to lentillum.com. You can listen to my show. It's podcast or it's streamed. You can hear this all again. Study the rules. Go to the webpage, and then you call the contractor for your uncle and yell at him and tell him you're going to sue him and take his license away. Okay? Okay. Charlie in Sonoma, Len Tillum. How come you're calling a lawyer, Charlie? Um, Len, I'm calling about uh, my aunt's estate, which is um, finally completed, and I just am ready to distribute the funds. And I have a problem with uh, transferring the funds to my lawyer's trust account. Now, w- wait a sec. Did when your aunt died, did she have a will or a trust? She had a will. A will, so it went through probate, right? Yes, sir. How much is the lawyer getting in probate fees? $26,000. Right, so the estate was a little bit more than a million dollars, right? Yes, sir. How long did the probate take? Almost a year and a half. What county? It went in Sonoma County and it went through. It got taken off the calendar because the lawyer made mistakes, and we had to wait another three months until we got back on the calendar and he fixed all the mistakes. And you figure the lawyer's getting 26 grand, and he didn't do 26 grand worth of work, did he? Uh, no, that's not really what I'm concerned about. I, I know, but I want to make a point. Yeah, of course I don't. Right. Here's the point I want to make. Aside, you know, I want to plug those trusts. Had your aunt done a trust, there would be no $26,000 to a lawyer and everybody knowing your business and the probate in the courts, you know? Really. And, and by the way, did the lawyer... Who did uh, did the probate? Is he the one who did the trust? Uh, is he the one who did the will? Excuse me. Yes, yes he did. Sir. All right, everybody, let me alert you. This lawyer, Charlie's aunt goes there with over a million dollars. I'm making this up, but I'm pretty sure this is what happened. He goes to this lawyer, and, and, and this old lady, this lady goes to the lawyer and says, oh, I want to leave my estate to so-and-so. And the lawyer says, oh, you don't need a trust, do a will. 
and the lawyer makes, you know, doesn't charge a lot for the will, and then goes and makes $26,000 in probate fees. Had the lawyer sold her a trust for, you know, a lot less, a tenth of that, less than a tenth of that, there'd be no probate fees. So what I'm saying is if you have a will, don't go back to the lawyer who sold the dead person the will. Don't reward them for that behavior. You got it? Go get somebody else. Other lawyers can do it. The lawyer who did the will doesn't have to do the probate. All right. What's your question now, Charlie? My question is, is there's approximately uh, a little over half a million dollars in cash. Yeah. It needs to get distributed between uh, about 11, 12 beneficiaries. Okay. And we're all set to go. It's been approved by the court, the probate court, and we can release the funds and all this stuff. Right. The problem I have is, I guess it's a trust thing with me, is since this guy kind of did some things that I didn't like, I and he wants me to put all my money into his trust account, and I'm asking you, if do I have to do no. that, or can I write it out of the estate? The, the state checking account that I have with Merrill Lynch. Let me explain. Um, what your lawyer wants to do is not illegal. I don't do it that way in my firm. We do probates. I, we, you know, if you got to do a probate, we do them. But we sell trusts and not wills. So, but anyway, what we do when we do a probate is we have the executor. That's you. You you already have an account in the name of the estate of the dead person that you opened with the letters testamentary, right? It was issued when the will was admitted to probate, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So you're the executor. Make out the checks from the estate, you know, account that you have. You know, the court order's been... What we do is once the court order is granted, um, Rosie and Vanessa, who... Rosie uh, McNichol, Vanessa, you've seen the paralegal works with her. You write out the checks out of your account, and we mail all the checks out to the beneficiaries, and that's it. Between you and me, I like that better. I don't like to put client money in my trust account. There is no reason to give the lawyer this money. You know? Well, the reason, the reason he is giving is that he has to do the final accounting, which will be about 3 or $4 in interest, I think. He's full He'll of crap. have to do it twice. Now, you tell him do it as many times as you want. You got your fee. I'm not giving you the checks. It's nonsense. Okay. And you don't trust him anyway. Well, I, I don't. I, I like him, but, you know, it's just not. It's been a bad. Yes. Tell him, I don't want to do that. I am writing it. I'm, you're the executor. You can hire and fire the lawyer. You chose him. You're the boss. You got uh, that, Charlie? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank well, you. Thank you very much, Lynn. Nani in Hayward. How come you're calling a lawyer, Nani? Uh, well, Lynn, um, a couple, probably about six months ago, my um, fiance and her uh, baby's dad went to court for uh, for uh, child support. And... Uh, they ruled in her favor, of course, and uh, they ordered him to pay almost about 500 and something dollars a month. Um, How many children for, does your fiancé have with this guy? Two, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And how old is your fiancé? 24. How old are you? I am 29. Okay, please go on. So this guy's supposed to pay... Your, your fiance, 500 bucks a month for child support. And let me guess, he's paid zip, nada, zero, right? Exactly, Lynn, exactly. And we also got a letter in the mail, I want to say probably about a month ago, saying they didn't know where he was anymore. Well, we disappeared. Um, and knew where he was. Right. Um, and you got this letter from the Department of Child Support Services, right? That's correct. Okay, so... 
How come you're calling me? Um, I just wanted to know, like, what next steps we can take, um, because we don't know where he's at either. Um, he's actually been kind of, I guess, when he had called, he when they had uh, on the court case, they had to call him because he was on house arrest. Um, and they had, they, he was living in Walnut Creek, I believe. Yeah. But now they say they just don't know where he's at. Yeah. What did she so, ever see in a low life like that? Love is blind. I'll tell you that right now. So, uh, look, <laughs> let's go through it. Eventually, if he pays income tax or files a tax return, the Department of Child Support Services will find him because when you file an income tax return seeking a refund, they and the Franchise Tax Board will turn the refund over to the Department of Child Support Services and give your fiancé the money. Um, they can also check with the DMV, but, you know, the address on his license isn't, isn't the correct one. By the way, if he doesn't support the kids for a couple of years and you want to, you can adopt them. They'll take his name off the birth certificate. He's abandoned them. You can adopt them. You're marrying this woman. Adopt those kids. They will love you for that. You'll be the father. What yeah, can, that's actually what we were planning to do. All we're right, well, I can help you with that. Marry the woman, and he doesn't pay or doesn't show up. We'll get those kids to call you daddy, and your name will be on their birth certificate. You know, what you yeah. could do is, why don't you ask the guy's mother? You know, that's grandma. Can your fiancé talk to grandma, his mother, or his sister? They know where he lives. They, they all had a pretty bad fallout. They actually... Uh, had kicked her and the kids out of the house, um, and they were living on the street for a while um, oh. when we had first got together. Okay, so, so look, this guy, yeah, they, even they, if you fa- found him, even if you find him, you might get a couple of months of money out of him, the judge will threaten him, and then he's going to disappear again. You know, I don't have any magic way of finding a person who wants to be hidden. If you know his social security number, or you can get it from the Department of Child Support Services, you might hire a private detective to find him, but it, it's like throwing money out the window. You, you know, I, I mean, right, he's never right. going to pay. And and you can make, there are guys who don't want to support their wives or their kids, and they make a good living for themselves or a semi-good living in the underground economy, you know? So um, you be the daddy to those kids. Got it? You know, we also do emails. Even though I can't get callers yet, we're going to get callers soon once we get the phone lines in. They're coming, they promise me. We'll get calls, but I do emails, lentillum.com. Here's one from Terry. And we answer them also. If we don't read them on the air, we'll answer them. Terry writes this. If my 19-year-old son gave me a power of attorney, could I represent him going in pro per? Could I go in for him in a misdemeanor case he got a drunk driver? No, you, God, your kid got a drunk driver. What are you, some codependent jerk? No, Unless you're a lawyer, you can't represent another person in court. You can't get a power of attorney. A power of attorney means who can sign for me. You know, if you're out of town and you want somebody to sign and sell your house and give them a power of attorney, they can do that. But um, just, and, and you know, what are you, F. Lee Bailey over there? Just because you got a power of attorney, do you think that you can, um, you know, become a lawyer? How are you going to defend somebody in court? Get out of here. We do emails. We'll see you tomorrow. Tell a friend. Len Tillum, thank you.